0: What does it take to build and sell a million-dollar business? I'll give you a hint: you can't do it without a team beside you. Today, I'm going to be talking to Nate Ginsberg, who built and sold an Amazon business for a million dollars. He's going to break down what got him there. We'll talk about things like mindset, mentality, partnerships, and of course, building a successful team. It doesn't matter where you are in your entrepreneurial journey; you're going to learn a lot today. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to grow hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Nate Ginsberg. Thanks for having me, Mark. So for those who don't know you, I assume that'd be a few people out there. Can you just sort of tell us who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So my, I guess I, I, I mean, going way back, got into or started or tried to get into online business stuff now, maybe like seven or eight years ago. I was doing a whole mix of random PPC consulting, had some niche AdSense sites, you know, some white labeling, some marketing services, you know, I was doing okay, but was really trying to, you know, find something that would really, you know, hit or click. And that I guess happened when I when I got into um, Amazon FBA. This was oh man, I don't know. I mean, a handful of years now. I guess I probably started to get into Amazon stuff maybe four years ago or something.
0: FBA is fulfillment by Amazon. For those who don't know, where you're basically sourcing and selling your products on on Amazon, right?
1: Yeah. So so FBA the program, yes, it's it's fulfillment by Amazon, and it's basically utilizing Amazon's fulfillment and, and logistics capabilities to, you know, sell your products on their platform. So they take care of a lot of the, the details and stuff that is necessary and that you need in order to run an e-commerce business, you know, the warehousing, pick and pack, you know, making sure everything gets shipped out and tracking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Amazon handles for you. So it's really, uh, you know, uh, I mean, enables and supports people to Sell on their platform, so yeah, got into that. I guess yeah, maybe five or something years ago, and that was the one that really kind of took off for me. Was really exciting. You know, I remember the first half year when things were really growing and you know sales were. Were basically doubling every month. Like when I was first first getting into Amazon, which I think maybe not coincidentally was shortly after we met first in Budapest. Uh, <laughs> however, many years ago that was now.
0: Correlation, not causation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. So yeah, then then got into you know the Amazon stuff, and and that was you know it was like my main thing for a couple of years, and you know, it overall went went really well. I had uh, an opportunity. I actually took on a uh, business partner investor who was a, a good friend of mine as well. And uh, the business continued to, to grow and do well. And then we had an opportunity, I guess, a little more than two years ago to sell that business for uh, just under a million dollars,
0: which... Yeah, was huge achievement uh, by the way. Massive congrats on that. That must be a pretty good feeling when you have a almost seven figure exit like that.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I mean, it is, and it was. It was like you know, I'm super grateful to have had that, you know, opportunity and outcome. And especially also with with uh, e-commerce businesses, like the opportunity to you know put cash in your pocket. It's a lot of times it it's around you know an event like a sale because. E-commerce businesses like they're so capital intensive, especially if they're growing. And so, you know, for years I was literally just like dumping. We were selling more and more stuff, and you know, we were generating profit, but it kept getting just dumped back into the business. And so, you know, like I mean, I was paying myself enough to support myself and live a a reasonable quality of life. But but it wasn't until the sale that it was kind of like a you know a windfall, and you know, kind of got to to pad my bank account.
0: Did you feel oh I'm rich now, or did you maybe feel more worried due to the lack of kind of income you had coming in after that?
1: in terms of lifestyle, it didn't really change that much to be honest. I was also I mean I kind of briefly mentioned but like a year or so prior to selling the business, I took on a uh, an investor and business partner and so that it, it was actually that event that you know was a smaller sum of what, you know, we ended up selling the business for, but like gave me comfortable six figures into my personal bank account and kind of smoothed over some of the, I don't know, just kind of financial situation. And and so then when we sold the business, you know, then we sold the business like, yeah, like I got another chunk more cash, which was which was great. And like definitely made me feel more, financially comfortable but also and some of what you kind of alluded to some interesting things you know also happened one of which like you said is the lack of income and like all of a sudden i had a chunk of cash in my bank but every month it was going down and like it's unsettling uh, yeah seeing,
0: i can imagine yeah you know,
1: seeing your bank account you know going down even if there's a good chunk there and i mean like i had There was a a good chunk there, but it wasn't like I knew that I wasn't done making money. I know that I still needed to make more money. And so, you know, seeing that go down was, yeah, a little anxiety or unnerving. But but then also more than that, and what's kind of been a lot a big, you know, impact influence like the last the last couple years since the sale is like it brings up a lot of existential questions borderline crises of like, great, I've got this money, I've got this time, you know, everyone thinks like, Oh, like, you're set. That's the dream. But, but in reality, that and, and yeah, like, I'm not like, those are definitely It's great to to have that. And, you know, very fortunate to be in, some, in, in situation to have that. But, but then also, it, it gets these like, deeper questions that you're not worrying about unless you're in a situation like that. But I mean, or arguably even more important of stuff like, all right, well, like, what do I want to do next? What am I good at? What should I do? Where should I go? Who do I want to be with? What's important? <laughs> and like, all these things kind of come back and all that kind of coupled with, in a lot of ways, starting over. And like, you know, you were right, or I was, you know, riding this, you know, in a lot of ways, a very successful business, you know, all these sales and, and like, that was a big part of my identity, and like, yeah.
0: Did it feel like you're a sort of different person after that, or you you had to kind of mold yourself into to something else now, or how did how did that feel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, the last few years have been, I mean, there's been a ton of of growth and evolution, and and also also very challenging, wrestling with some of these questions, and also just you know trying to figure out what to do next like getting traction in something new is is hard and it's one of these things that you kind of you know you kind of forget when you're in the midst of a business that's you know already has traction is running and then you know starting back over it's hard to start something and like have it get traction and so that was a lot of what you know the last few years is while wrestling with these different questions What am I good at? What do I want to do? What's important? And then, you know, trying to get some different businesses off the ground. I mean, thankfully or fortunately, you know, now fast forward two plus years, feeling pretty good about this, you know, next phase of my life and career and, you know, have some stuff, you know, now kind of going on that I'm really excited about and is like, I think very in alignment with things that I want to be doing and activities that I'm doing and, and, uh, you know, directions that I want to be going in. But like even a year ago, last summer, I think we probably spoke about this too. when we met up last summer, but like, it was still a lot of figuring stuff out. And I had these different ideas and this and that, and, and like, still it's a, I recognize it's a fortunate situation to be in, to be wrestling with this stuff. But like, again, it's also, it's also challenging
0: It's really interesting, actually, the the, the talk about hitting traction and like being in that sort of pre-traction phase, for want of a better word. How do you feel? Because I know a lot of our listeners who maybe are just starting their, their first website or just starting their first online business and haven't yet hit that traction point either. How do you feel as someone who's gone through it and seen all the kind of success of that going through a second time? How are you approaching it differently now?
1: and i don't know i mean i think like honestly approached it kind of a similar way of what eventually found myself into the you know amazon e-commerce fba and it was just kind of honestly throwing a lot of stuff out there and you know a lot of it didn't stick and didn't work and and like this time around again and i don't know maybe it's just like my personality but you know i'm i'm the type of person like I get excited a lot about things. I have a lot of ideas. I see a lot of amazing opportunities, it, it, you know, in my head for better for worse. I can't like, I can't help it. But there's like a sliver of a business opportunity or something that's like happening, and like I I just can't help it. But see how down the road this is like a million dollar a month enterprise, and like it's it's so clear in my head, which is you know, in some ways I think is, is good to, you know, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's good to like see these opportunities and, and, you know, kind of have that vision. But, but then on the other hand, you know, this happens to me like every freaking week and nine out of 10 of them or more, you know, like 95 out of a hundred of them, like don't actually come together in the ways that even though I can see it so perfectly in my head, you know, in reality doesn't come together that way. But, but yeah, but you know, like, if 99 out of 100 of them don't work out, and if you just do 100 of them, then, you know, one of them does. And, and so that's been a lot of what I don't think I've actually tried 100 business ideas. But, you know, it's certainly been, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been a bunch and, and also some stuff that I'm kind of learning or realizing with like a a handful of the businesses that that I'm involved with now. And, some of the stuff that we were we were chatting a little bit about before before recording is just that like stuff takes time and like things don't happen overnight and 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 that's something that I like some perspective that I've learned and, and, and gained from I guess just you know the longer that I'm in business and, and 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 you know now fortunate to be in a situation where with these kind of businesses like the goal is more around like finding opportunities to to add value and you know then be compensated a value exchange where like we're doing something that adds value we get compensated and paid for that value and and it's okay if it doesn't take off tomorrow or this week or next month and you know I want it to be building and going in the right direction but it's it's much more of a long-term focus as opposed to when I was starting when I was starting out and even with a lot of these other businesses stuff that I was that I've kind of half ass tried over the last few years, like some of it's like, you know, you want it to blow up tomorrow or next week and that can happen, but it's also hard and a lot of good stuff takes time.
0: Do you think you've developed more patience in sort of waiting for things to sort of come into fruition now after you've been through this journey?
1: Yeah, I think kind of double edged. On one hand, yes. Patience, but it's also. And I was chatting about this with uh, my my roommate here in Austin, Dan, recently. And it's just like you know, you have more patience, but it's also like. And, and I mean, I'm still like excited about work and want to to work hard and push things forward. And and I get very just like you know excited slash antsy and just like really want to keep moving stuff forward. But but at the same time, because of I guess where I'm at now, I'm less I'm more intentional about the work that I want to be doing and that I will engage with. And so so like, you know, there's certain things that and that's part of what like probably killed half the random business stuff that I, you know, might have tried over the last few years. Is just that like there's certain things that I now just like won't won't really do or engage with and and you know, I don't know. It's like a balance of on one hand, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of team and delegating and, you know, getting people to, I'm really big into, and and even more so now of like, I think it's all of our best opportunity, myself, yourself, the listeners as well, like understand and double down on what they're best at. This one, uh, it's a Dan Sullivan term, like unique ability. You know, We all have these things that we're best at, that we enjoy, that give us energy, that we can keep getting better at it. And, like, as entrepreneurs, it's our best opportunity to do as much of that as possible and the least amount of other stuff. And I think this is really powerful and it can be. And, you know, for myself personally, like, I love people. I love sharing ideas. I love brainstorming. I love leading my team. I love building my team. I love connecting with people, finding new opportunities. And, like, that's great. And I'm glad that now a lot of my work life is activities that generally fall into that bucket. But there's also like a lot of other pieces that go into running or cultivating a successful business. And that's kind of where there's some, I don't know if it's like dissonance or I'm just not sure. It's like on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm doubling down on my unique ability and I'm doing these things that I should be doing. And and then when other activities come up that don't fall into those categories, you know, maybe it's just like kind of just like something that's like, you know, would fall into like the hustle category that's not, yeah, I don't know, not as like in my sweet spot in terms of work that I really enjoy that I'll just kind of start and then I'll be like, eh, like, I don't want to do this. I don't need to do this. Well, the the question is like, oh, like, am I just doubling down on my sweet spot? Like, or do, is, you know, am I just like, not doing things that need to be done, and I'm just like kidding myself saying that, oh, yeah, like I'm only doing my sweet spot when in reality, like maybe I should be doing you know more of the other stuff, and
0: that's a very hard one to to call if you're evaluating your yourself on it, yeah,
1: yeah, when I look at like thankfully, things have been progressing with whatever strategy I've been you know k- kind of employing and and we'll see, like. Things seem to be going in, in a good direction, and so and yeah, like I'm I'm enjoying it. It's a I am doing mostly things that I you know want to be doing, and not a ton of stuff that that I don't want to be doing.
0: Cool. So I want to talk to you a bit more about the the sort of people management that side of things because I know you have like a tremendous amount of experience in, in in that area. Just before we jump onto that, I I have a couple of questions which I know a bunch of Amazon affiliates out there probably want to ask you, you know, you being kind of something of an expert on selling on Amazon, but is it ever worth it for Amazon affiliates, Amazon associates, people who have authority websites and make money promoting other stuff on Amazon? Is it ever worth it for them to try and get into FBA source products themselves and and go down that path?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. So is it ever worth it? Yes, there are situations where it's worth it. That being said, it's not like, you know, the Amazon landscape has and continues to change. Like it's not this like get rich quick opportunity like it maybe was six years ago or five years ago, or there's still a lot of opportunity. I know a lot of people doing really well selling physical products on Amazon, but I wouldn't approach it of just like, oh, can I source and manufacture and launch this product and oh now it's making all the sales and I don't have to do anything. To be honest like you you might actually have a little success doing that but like if you do I think it would be short-lived. And and so, you know, if like the situations that I think would be worth pursuing and and could have success is really like, you know, with this long-term thinking and you know, if you have a asset or whether it's a website with a bunch of traffic or a big email list in a certain niche. And if you're interested in getting into physical products, you know, yeah, people love physical products and the whole like sourcing, manufacturing, importing, you can definitely figure it out. It's not that, I mean, understandably, if you've never done it before, it can be a bit opaque, but once you've done it, like it's not rocket science,
0: (laughs) I was looking at your your website for your new business seller Uh your the, the scope of work you you have on there and I was quite frankly amazed at like how many things there are to sort of consider when you're kind of in FBA. So I know my impression just after reading that is that it's maybe a, a much bigger thing than many people might imagine.
1: Just like anything I think if you've never done it before yeah, it can be daunting. It can be confusing. I mean, I remember when I was first getting started, this whole idea, it's like, oh, you know, you manufacture a product and then you got to get a, a freight forwarder to get some quotes and this and a customs broker and air freight and ocean freight and blah, blah, blah. And like all this kind of stuff. And it sounded like another freaking language, but so many people have figured this out. Like you or your audience certainly you know, can too. And again, it's one of those things that like, the first time you go through it, it's a, a huge learning curve. And like, yeah, you'll probably mess something up somewhere along the way. But that's okay, as long as you don't like bet the house on that first thing, which I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> but, but chances are, you know, yeah, even if you do mess it up, like you'll learn and, you know, be able to continue to improve and do it better the next time. But uh, I just wanted to, to, to get back to, to answer, I think, your the question of like, what is a good opportunity? Or what might that look like? And What what I think is you know if you have a big audience website traffic email list something along those lines and also one thing that's tricky and so I've looked at this a lot and talked to a good amount of people about this I think we might have even explored this a little bit or had some conversations around like using affiliate websites that are you know making sales on through Amazon affiliate program and then transitioning to promoting your own products and and one thing that we found that's that's kind of tricky is that a lot of the affiliate sites, it's like, they make a lot of sales on a lot of different products. And maybe it's like, they come in on your affiliate link on one product, but then they're just on Amazon and they pop around and they buy different stuff. And, and so, you know, if you have a lot of sales of like a single product or type of product, you know, that could be a good opportunity because the ranking in Amazon and marketing in Amazon, a lot of it's around if you can drive sales off of Amazon, whether from your you know from your website from your email list, that's really powerful in Amazon SEO and getting your products to rank and so if you have a lot of people that are buying you know say you're selling water bottles and you have a lot of, you have a site about water bottles and you're you have a lot of people buying this specific type of product that could be a great opportunity for you to introduce your own and use that to to boost and fuel the ranking on Amazon but but a lot of the website and I mean I'm a little bit familiar with Amazon affiliate kind of analytics or stuff but from what I've seen in other people that even like they they make a bunch of money you know on affiliate products but it's like it's pretty diverse and spread out and so if you make like one or two or something sales a day of a certain product it's not really going to be that impactful whereas if you're making five, 10 plus sales a day of a, a single type of product, like that, that could be opportunity. So yeah, look at it
0: that way. And if, if someone out there is saying, Oh, that's me, what should they do now? Like, is there, is there any courses or products or kind of communities or how, how do they learn it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, there definitely are <laughs> no, I mean nothing comes to mind in terms of course or community if you do have an affiliate site that's making a bunch of sales, five to ten plus on a on a you know certain product or category a day, happy to chat. Can possibly connect you with different people, or yeah, I don't know if there's opportunity there. Like, happy to yeah, I don't know, like discuss or you know see if see if there is something there, and yeah, can 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 think on if there are, I don't know what other resources I've kind
0: of been out of that that stage. Cool. So, I mean, oh, hopefully, we're not going to flood your inbox tomorrow morning with thousands of affiliate sites, or, or maybe that'd be a good thing. But <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, hope, well, hopefully, uh, um, yeah, down, down to chat. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah.
0: Okay. So, let's move on and start talking about people because I, I've heard you many times say that, uh, you know, it's just been the most important part of growing a successful business has been the people around you. Why is that, and and do you think that's the case for for all entrepreneurs, or do you kind of approach it slightly differently?
1: Some of it comes back to, or a lot of it is kind of rooted in what what we were talking about before. That I, you know, that I really believe in, and, and this idea of like, you know, unique ability. We all have our, you know, our zone of genius. We all have these, you know, things that we're best at that we enjoy, and where you know we can personally add the most value. And like, you know, I think I mean a combination of that, and maybe just like. You know, my own impatience with doing things that I don't want to be doing um, has led me to you know really lean on you know and build team and get people around me to like do the things that I don't know how to do that I don't want to do that aren't a good fit for me. And that's something like you know you uh, talking about the sellerplex, you know scope of work in our services and and yeah, like it's a pretty extensive list of things and if I'm being completely honest, like, I'm not personally qualified to, you know, probably more to like perform more than half of these services. I mean, I I understand them, like, I know what they are, I know why they're important. But like, we do a lot of supply chain management, or, you know, like, I mean, we like manage some other people's Amazon accounts, or some finance stuff. And like, those are all things, you know, the majority of those activities, I'm, I'm actually just personally not qualified to, to do. But because like for my businesses, I, you know, really important for me and stuff that I enjoyed and just have a good track record with was like getting really qualified people around me to do the things that I didn't know how to do, didn't want to do
0: that's a really interesting point. I just want to pick up on that. So what is your approach when you're trying to get someone in who to do something that you, you don't know how to do or you're not qualified to do?
1: Yeah, so I guess the like the long answer is it's not like a transactional one-off, oh, I need someone to do this and I'm just going to hire them to do that. I mean, there's there's an element of that, but but it's like you know, one thing, and also it's been interesting getting insight into this with, with Sellerplex and get insight and working with other people in their businesses and, and seeing what people are kind of good at and, they, and, and what they enjoy and, and realizing that like, there are a lot of people with businesses that were way bigger than any I've personally been involved with that just have this like aversion to hiring. And they just like, they, they have this belief that, I mean, and part of it's, you know, maybe they just lack experience, but like, they don't like hiring. They don't like onboarding. They don't like managing. And they complain that they can't find good people, and it's like I forgot exactly what the quote was, but it's something along the lines of, "It's like you, you know, you get the people that you deserve, or like if you're not, if you're not getting, you complain of not getting good people, like you know, be a better leader, or like have a better business, and then you'll get more, you know, better people."
0: Yeah, as a, as an entrepreneur, it usually it all comes down to you. If there's a problem, ultimately, it's it's it's. Most likely something you did or the way you've set up your business or your mindset something like that,
1: yeah, definitely, and you know I think that's the the ap- approach and perspective to take either way you know if you're not getting you know for example, you're not getting good people, like yeah, you can just like, oh like they're all idiots, they don't listen, they don't do anything, and see how far that gets you, or you know you like take the responsibility yourself and oh like what why aren't I getting You know, better people, like how, what can I do to improve?
0: I feel like a lot of time people view the people they have in their organization as something of like a random lottery, like, oh, I just have the people I have because that's who fell out of the sky or something. I, I don't quite know, but it's more, you're the person who created the hiring funnel, who chose where to advertise, who wrote the job ad, who created your company culture and put that out there on your website in order to attract specific people. And it's kind of, you have much more control over these things than I think a lot of entrepreneurs maybe give themselves credit for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, these are like, all, all, all those things that you mentioned are all, you know they're all like pieces of the equation your hiring onboarding funnel how you articulate and what you write in your job posting the questions you ask how you talk to these people when you are interviewing them like what's the culture like when they're on board and and you know i'll say like i've probably gone through in my businesses Man, I mean I don't know, it's probably I mean over the years hired pff, like hundreds probably of people. I mean, our our team now is maybe like a dozen people. We fluctuated as much as like maybe 15 or 18 and then at other times it's gone down to, you know, like on the low like 5 or 6 or something and we've gone through a lot of people and like I've had different periods where you know there was one point where like business wasn't going well and we had a really bloated team and like I literally had to fire like half the team. That was definitely challenging. But we, it's also like the ones that were then left over were the half that was the best on the team and you know and then that that kind of core became the and continued to be like the core of the team and just kind of like raised the bar for everything that we did, everything that we did and all the people that we hired moving forward. And so yeah, it's like not everyone's going to be the right fit or right away, but like, if you can, it, it, it all builds and, and you can kind of, you can gain momentum by having good people to start and having a good culture that attracts other good people and, and that makes them want to stay there. And, and it, it kind of, it's, it's self-selecting. And, you know, for, for example, our job funnel, our hiring funnel and our job posts are like, they're pretty extensive. We'll have like, what if it's an initial job post, like we hire a lot on Upwork or any of these other kind of platforms. And I know a ton of people that bitch about they can't find anyone good on Upwork. There's like, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people on there. Like they're good people there. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not finding or attracting them. Anyway, you know, I see some job posts that are like, oh, like looking for content writer. And like, that's it. (laughs) And, you know, whereas ours, it's like, they're long. Like we'll have a beginning. It's like, oh hey, like I'm Nate. I'm an entrepreneur. Like da-da-da. Like I share a bit about myself. I share a bit about, oh, like this is our business. This is what we do. This is what we're looking for. These are the qualities that someone that'll have success should have. These are some of the experiences that we're looking for. And we qualify in the post. Well, you know, I think it's like we are a team of of, of high achievers that you know, like positive growth mindset, high achievers, if this isn't you, please don't apply. (laughs) If this is you, you know, please, please answer the first round of 10 or 12 interview questions. And, and so, you know, starting there and we get and like, the job post, it turns off a lot of people. But that's fine. Like, because there are some people that that see that and they go through that and then they get excited about it, and like they resonate with us, and how I articulate myself, and our culture, and the business, and the opportunity, and like, yeah, those are the the people that re- that approach resonates with. Like they say, like oh, like one of the things I was like, oh, like why are you interested in this job? I'm like oh, like I can tell that you're different, or I can tell that like you know this is different than the just like super I don't know, not descript, like looking to hire a writer. And so, yeah, because of that, like, it's all kind of a numbers game. And, you know, if like 100 people see it, and like 90 something of them are like, Oh, like, screw this, I don't want to do this whole process. But the ones that do want to do it are, I mean, a better fit, generally higher quality. And so so yeah, that's like, you know, one of the things that's allowed us to to get and keep good people.
0: I think with Upwork especially, because it's so easy to just sign up and hire someone or post a job at least, that there's there's a lot of people who are hiring and not particularly, they don't particularly know what they're doing with their business or they're not really sure how to work with people. And, and, and a lot of freelancers that, that I've talked to at least seem to have bad experiences with, especially newer clients on, uh, on, on Upwork. So I, I think that Your job posting and the way you sort of described it, where you're introducing, first of all, yourself, um, and also kind of like what your vision is, what your business does, what you're trying to achieve. That kind of, it allows you to sell other people on on your business, like a sales letter in in a way for your company and the best of the best people, like you don't care about the bottom 95% you only want like the top five top 10% of people to be applying at least so that it gives it resonates with with those people and those are the people who you want to be writing your your job description for so seems like you're doing a good job with that
1: well well, definitely and just to echo that totally you know totally agree and and also some stuff that like I don't know it's like you kind of whatever your beliefs about hiring and team you know, kind of manifest and end up being true. And so like, if you believe like, oh, like, I just need a $200 a month VA and like, they're going to be stupid, but they'll follow directions. And like, I just need that. And it's like, if that's actually like what you think about them or how you think about them, like, yeah, like that's what you'll get. And then, yeah, you'll be pissed off when like they disappear one day because, you know, you think that they're going to disappear. And, and so, you know, these things, they kind of, they're like self-fulfilling prophecies when, you know, then when on the other hand, like I have amazing people on my team, like personally, professionally, just high quality people. And like, we've got a really high quality culture. And, you know, like I wholeheartedly believe now moving forward in in any business that I'm a part of, like, we're going to get and keep amazing people and you know what like i believe that and it's true for me and i'm not to say that it's not true just because i believe it but like it's all these things like i treat these people like they're family they know that i that i really care about them and that's another thing that like a lot of it i think actually comes down to caring about the people that work for you
0: this is one thing that, that really strikes me about you, Nate, is that you care. And I mean, really genuinely bottom of your heart care about every single person you work with. Was that like an innate gift that you just have? Or did it somehow develop over time?
1: It's just me. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm really into the, the Myers-Briggs personality stuff. And by that, I'm like, ENFP, if that means anything to you or anyone, but like the F is, you know, feeling. And so thinking, feeling and like, I'm also very analytical, critical thinking, but but yeah, like I also f feeling like I, I just I really do care, and it manifests itself in in interesting ways, and you know, on one hand, like sometimes I it might affect my bottom line where someone on my team that like you know now with Sellerplex we're doing services, you know, working with other businesses and we have our kind of target margins of like, okay, one person can handle, you know, one, two, three, four, whatever kind of projects. And, and yeah, like sometimes we're not going to be at full capacity. And like, sometimes there could have been or could be opportunities to like consolidate and let one person go and consolidate the work on someone else. And, and, and I mean, not that that wouldn't be an okay decision to make, but like, I really, you know, I care about these people and like I, I want these people to work for me forever. Some of them have been working for me for the longer ones, like going on four years. I visited them, I know their family. And and yeah, like I, I really care about them. And even when times are hard or challenging, like I'm not just gonna cut everyone. They're putting their trust in me. This is a job is a it's like it's an important thing, and they're putting their trust in and belief in me to have opportunities for them. And they're relying on this, on this income and, and yeah, and they know that all, and I really do my best to take care of them. And, you know, then on the other side of that, like I have people that they work really hard for me. I mean, I'm so grateful to, to have such good people. And, and also with a lot of these things, like grateful to be in a situation where like, you know, yeah, fires happen, there are problems, but overwhelmingly, like, I mean ultimately the responsibility is on me. But like, I have people that take care of this stuff that like, you know, they'll work the late nights, they bend over backwards accommodating the people that we're working with. And they work really hard for me because they know that like, I I work really hard for them and take care of them. And it's not just like a transactional thing. And, you know, I know there's a lot of ways to do it. But that's, you know, again, also, it's kind of like, that's the world that I want to live in. Like, I want to work with people that I like. And I'd rather work with people that I care about and they care about me. And I'm not going to worry about them like
0: disappearing.
1: Do you find that you
0: hire people who are very much like you?
1: In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. So like, I'm also big on core values and, you know, when you're hiring and we say this, that like certain things that similar to me that I want, you know, our team to have stuff like growth and abundance mindset. That's a big one you know, some of the other core values of like one of them's like seven day weekend where it's not a set nine to five, they can on one hand create their own hours, but also sometimes it'll mean nights or weekends that also could mean they take a Tuesday off and like to be with their family and like, that's okay. And anyway, so so there's some of the, the core values that are definitely that are like, you know, resonate and similar to me. But then also like, I'm more of a ideas and big picture kind of type person and I'm not not so good at the details and so I intentionally have like you know the majority of my team like are much more organized detail oriented and and like I communicate that and like I tell them like listen like I'm not like I need you to be better at these details and organization because I'm not <laughs> and so they are so a lot of our team is is you know much more organized than I am I mean As a business, we're like super on top of SOPs and processes. But like me personally, like I'm not actually the one who's making the SOPs. Like the team is great at them. And that was part of the reason why I hired them because like I know I need help that way. So I guess it's a balance of like, I guess from a core values perspective, you want people that are similar to you, but skill set complement or.
0: Just going back to uh, core values there a second, because that's something I'm kind of wrestling with uh, at the moment. Can you talk us through your process for how you came up and defined those?
1: I mean, mostly just kind of like, you know, just like thought about it. And um, it's been a evolution or, or a process. And I don't know, it's one of these things like, they're really important. I really believe in them. You know, it's like, it's good for business, I would say but they also haven't, you know, there's ways that they could be incorporated more into some of the stuff that we're doing, or they could be, I don't know. I mean, I think we still could could use them more, but, but yeah, but it's something that like, I don't remember when I first got turned on to it. I think it was it was probably from one of those books like Traction or, or Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, which, which talks about core values. And that's kind of what first got me thinking about it. And and yeah, and they've been they've been pretty pretty consistent. Like you know, as my business and business interests have have changed, the core values are they're pretty the same. And actually, just pulled up can can run through mine if uh yeah I don't know might be might be interesting. But so ours are uh, radical candor, which means direct and caring communication, taking initiative, growth and abundance mindset, seven day weekend. 8020 integrity and i guess kindness. So so those are ours and like you know, I've seen other friends core values. Ours isn't a perfect list. Sometimes things will kind of change, but kind of at its core, I mean, for me, like the core of those core growth and abundance mindset, good communication, initiative, accountability, 7-day weekend. That's like yeah, I think that's a you can have a really strong culture around that.
0: Yeah, I, I, something if you, I mean, if you'd wind the clock back 10 years or so and you asked me about core values, I would have said, oh, that's some like corporate bullshit that like, doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> something in the H- HR department came up with because they've got to do something to fill their day, right? But I should probably continue. Thinking that up until you know a few years ago, I was looking around at friends' businesses who are bigger than ours, and you know people who are sort of like high seven, even eight-figure business. What are all those people doing? And every single one of them had that side of the business core values and what their kind of vivid vision is, and, and all these kind of things defined and very clear. And they communicated it regularly with their staff, and they they lived it, they breathed it. It just seems to be something which correlates well, or a lot of big, big businesses, successful businesses are are doing, and so th- there has to be kind of like a, a strong reason behind that. My challenge has been, I'm to go back to your Myers Briggs thing. I'm like ENTJ, so I'm kind of very analytical. Kind of not so. I, I find it difficult to kind of quantify value, uh, if that makes sense. I, I was thinking more from an aspirational point of view of like, what do I want it, them to be? When a friend of mine recently said, "Actually, if you're struggling with that, you know, just think of it this way: like you already have a set of core values in your business; they're just not defined. So, like, what are the things you, you're doing? What are the things you've refused to do? What are things that are against your ethics? And kind of try and make sense of of it from that perspective." So, as I've been going through that exercise recently, I find that very, very helpful to to get that down. So, if, if anyone's listening out there who who's kind of thinking maybe some of this is a bit woo woo that exercise and coming from that approach has been been very helpful to, to me.
1: Yeah. And just to, to kind of add to that, but that's, you know, an exercise that I also, I don't know, learned about or was told, but it's like, if you want it to, to kind of like figure out your core values or one of the ways to do it, it's like, think of your best employees or best people that have ever worked with you. Like what was it about them that you liked? What was it about them that they did so well? And like, you know, and you know, People that didn't work out, like why didn't it work out? Why weren't they a good fit? And so, like pulling out these things that kind of can give you the you know the positive core value or the negative counterpart of things that you don't want on your team. And yeah, as a way to understand what core values you want to have on your team. And then it's another thing that talking about like people or friends that we have with like big businesses, like you know eight figures and a hundred people on their team and. And really like, I think in order to get to that place, it's really, and and the core values play a a really important piece in this is it's about team culture. People don't just want a paycheck. That's a part of it, but like, that's not the only thing. Probably the, the best book, if anyone who's, I don't know, is interested that that's listening to this, the most impactful for me on like hiring and culture and team building is this book called first break all the rules. There's this like massive like Gallup poll study on, what people what people care about in work or you know in their job in employment and and yeah, you know enough money is one of them, but again, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, basic needs being met is is like the bottom floor of it, but like there's all these other things that are important to you that are beyond having your basic needs met, and so in a job setting, it's stuff like does someone care about me at work? do I have a friend at work? is my are expectations of, for me and my role clear? Do I feel like my talents are being, you know, put to good use? Do I understand and believe in the direction and vision of the company? And so there's, there's all these things that are not monetary related. And um, so in, you know, in my businesses, like I really try to, you know, give people those, I mean, people want that. And it's also a way that, like, you know, you can keep and engage people. It's not just about like raising the salary. I mean, I've got great people that like. And actually, this happened a, a couple months ago. We were working with this with this fund, and we were doing a bunch of work for them. And I had like there was like I, I had like three and a half people that on my team that were basically full time working working for them. And anyway, it uh, it wasn't working out, so we were kind of on the ending that engagement. That the our client. Tried to poach two of my team, offered them more money to come work for them, and both of them declined because they didn't want to work for them. They wanted to stay working with us, accepted less money. That was a frustrating situation because they were a bad client. <laughs> but but also, the, you know, it's also like I mean, it made me really proud, and it's, it's very validating that like I say that I you know, and I do really care, and I I, I try to make a good working environment and. I want to believe that it's not just about the money. And and yeah, you know, these people on my team actually turning down more money to come and stay and work with us, like yeah, it was very validating of like all of our efforts to give people what they want in, you know, in all areas not just about their paycheck.
0: Cool. Can you just talk briefly about your kind of work week schedule in terms of how you interact with your employees? Like what kind of weekly meetings do you do? One-on-ones, quarterly goal settings, all this kind of stuff. How, how do you structure all of these?
1: So the stuff that I want to do might be a little bit different than like what's in current reality. So like a lot of my teams in Asia, I'm currently in America The time zones make it difficult to coordinate things. And and also like I've over the years and like I've bought and have a lot of goodwill with them so that like, you know, they like I can kind of not get away with, but they understand that like, all right, like right now this and like I communicate despite what I think and want there to be in the team or in the management like. We might not be doing all of those things right now. But what is important to me and what I think that you know, should be happening, and we actually do have, we have some kind of like, I guess, you know, like operations, kind of managers, people. But I think the, the 80-20 of it is team calls, you know, weekly team calls, getting on the same page, just getting everyone together to, you know, talk about what's going on, really important one-on-ones. So making sure that everyone on the team has some sort of a one-on-one conversation, I mean, ideally with you, but, or with a manager. So that's something that I've been kind of playing around with and, and having, you know, I mean, there's certain people on my team that I'm talking to every week, but certain people that I'm not, but like, I know that they're communicating and getting support from other people on the team. And so, so yeah, the one-on-ones I think are super, super important and just as much for like business productivity as well as just well being. How are you feeling? Like, what's up this week? It just builds relationship. One thing that I do that, like, I I always do and will continue to do that I honestly really enjoy is I do Wednesday weekly update videos. And so we've got a little format or structure of them. It like starts with a a principle that I that's kind of relevant that I'll riff on. Go into you know updates from different areas of the business. Shout out a team member. Share a little bit about what I'm doing, just where I am, what's, you know, what my plans are. And then, uh, and then like, ask a question to get you know, engagement with the team. And, and yeah, that's something that I've, I've been doing.
0: Is that like a vlog or how, what's, what's the format of that?
1: I have like a, a text document that I just update every week, just like changing the, the, the update. And then, yeah, then I rec- just record like a Loom video of myself talking over the document. It's usually, it's probably on average between five and 10 minutes, you know, not too long. I tell the team they can listen to it on 1.5 speed. <laughs> and yeah, so that's something that we do and just like for me personally I really enjoy it. Generally get good feedback the team.
0: Yeah, so- something about that idea really resonates with me. It sounds sounds like fun to do that cuz I don't know it's just I love talking about business and stuff all day, but what kind of feedback do you get about that?
1: Yeah, I mean they, you know, they like it and and, it, and it's a way that kind of to keep everyone, you know, our teams distributed. We've got a bunch in Asia, we've got some in America, we're not physically working together, but like in a similar way to like the weekly team calls, it's just like a way to ground people together and, you know, getting in sync. And I think the feedback that I've gotten is that, you know, that they like it. And, and yeah, kind of like what you were saying, honestly, like I like it, (laughs) you know, I enjoy it. And like, I'm, I'm very consistent with it. Like it's important to me to share with the team, the updates and, and what's kind of going on. And, you know, cause we're not like hanging out all day and especially when there's different time zones. So like, but yeah, like that's, you know, again, it's one of these things, like if you want to get and keep good people, it's important to them to know what's going on, what, what the business direction is, like, what are they a part of? So yeah, that's one way to, or, you know, one, one kind of tool to use to do that. One other kind of uh, tool that we use that that's useful is, I picked this up from some friends of ours, uh, uh, recommended it, but it's basically like a weekly check-in questionnaire that we send out every Friday or Thursday. That's just like, you know, I don't know. It's a, a small handful of questions. What'd you do this week? What are you doing next week? What are your challenges? How are you feeling? Anything else? Just like to give an opportunity for communication, give an opportunity to identify problems before they become bigger problems.
0: Cool. I wanted to ask if you were to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice uh, in terms of managing, hiring, you know, that that side of, of things, what would it be? What do you think is the, the most important thing you've you've kind of learned?
1: Really, it's like you get the people that you deserve. And so, like, if you're not getting the people that you, you know, want, like, be a better leader. And also on that, it's like people and stuff that I really, you know, in in all of my business relationships, whether it's team or partnerships or investments or JV collaboration, like it's about the people. And so playing into that, like, I don't, you know, I'm very honest with my team. And I mean, I try to be just authentic in general about who I am as a person and like, you know, not to shy away from that. And, and I mean, even more like not to shy away from that, but like, but that's really what, attracts the right people to you is like, by sharing yourself by being authentic, you know, that's going to allow you to attract the right team members and partners and anything that, you know, is going to work for the long term. And so so yeah, I'd say like, it's more of a, you know, an art than a science. And I love practicing yoga, you know, I practice yoga all over the world. And like, I like say something about that in my job post, oh, hey, I'm Nate, you know, blah, 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 like, If you want to get to know me better, like here's a podcast interview I did. Here's my Instagram. There have been people that literally respond to something like that. And they're like, oh my God, I love your yoga. My daughters are into yoga. Like I like working with people that do yoga. So like, I want to work on this project. Like, oh, cool. You know, (laughs) like, you know, who would think that like, you know, yoga is going to attract people for, you know, business, but like, it's true. And it's just like, it, it is like, it's me, it's genuine, it's authentic you know, there's a lot of power in, I guess, like being vulnerable and, you know, really actually sharing yourself and yeah, like humanizing yourself. Cause like people want to work with people.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say that I think a lot of the the impact that that probably has is because it's, it's interesting to work with someone who, you know, has a different worldview and has, uh, you know, got so many things going on and, uh, you know, has, is passionate about, so, you know, has other, other hobbies go, it's not like a faceless corporation that you can kind of get the impressions and kind of, get you know, some job ads you see out there. Glad that works out for you. So is there anything I haven't asked you that you think I should have asked you?
1: One thing I know that like has, uh, I don't know, when I was getting started or earlier in my career, I was all about figuring it out on my own. You know, I had like, a, you know, more of an ego. I got to figure this out this is my business, you know, i'm going to do this. and, you know, the older that i get, the longer that i'm in business. yeah, you can do stuff on your own, but now like i'd rather i'd rather do it the easy way. <laughs> you know, i'm good at some things, i'm not good at all things. certain things going for me and like as opposed to trying to just like protect this pie all for myself, i think it's much easier and more fun and can accelerate opportunities by collaborating. By partnering, you know, I've benefited immensely from being invested in. I took on a partner, an investor, and yeah, like I gave up some of the business, but I was also compensated for it. And it's led to much better opportunities. And, you know, I've invested in other people. And, like, yeah, I know there's on one hand, it's like, oh, like you're giving up some of your business, you know, da da da, but fast forward and like the businesses are all going well and, you know, they're happy and I'm happy and like, Choosing to to live in a world that abundance mindset, let's make a bigger pie together. You don't have to do things by yourself. And and just finding like the win-win, one plus one equals 10 opportunities is just like much more, I don't know, like if, I mean, that's now, like those are the only kind of opportunities that I'm really looking for. You know, I think I could have saved myself a lot of struggle, although I guess we learn from the struggles, but like, you know, embracing more of this, like, all right, like, let's build a bigger pie. I'll take a smaller slice of a bigger pie, as opposed to trying to keep all the pie to myself. you find and, and, and track better opportunities.
0: It's a challenging thing to kind of get your head around when you haven't had any kind of measurable success yourself in, in the past. And maybe you're working on the job that you hate, as I, as I know I was back in the day. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to kind of think of it in those, those terms, which you described when all you're kind of really looking on is like, you know, how do I make a few K a month so I can quit my job? And I mean, Ryan Holiday has written a few books that have been really, really impactful on me. One of them
1: is, you know, the ego is the enemy. You know, it's basically this. Idea. I've never
0: read that actually. Ooh,
1: well, would recommend it. I mean, one of the core concepts is this idea of basically like, if you want to objectively, the way to push yourself forward the fastest is to help others. And so it's like not about, oh, how do I get mine? It's like, oh, how do I help this other person get what they want and push them forward faster? And it's actually, you know, it's like counterintuitive maybe, but by doing that, by actually helping other people push them forward and get where they want to go, it actually does, you know, come back and lead to better opportunities for yourself. And so... And yeah, that's kind of like, you know, maybe four people that are, you know, like you were saying, maybe there's, you know, still working a job or this or that, maybe the way to get where you're going, or where you want to go, maybe it's not like, oh, I got to figure this out myself. Maybe it's like, how can I help that person who's doing something that I think is cool, and that I want to be involved with? Like, how can I just add value to what they're doing, and help them? And you know what, like, if you do that, like, I promise you that, like, and I mean, if you're effective in actually, you know, helping that person get to where they want to go, it'll come back around and, and probably get you where you want to go uh, faster than trying to do it on your own. Yeah, I also would recommend the book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just bought it on Audible. So be checking that out soon. <laughs> so Nate, where can people find you if they, they want to get hold of you or they want to get in touch?
1: You can check out my personal website, nateginsburg.com add me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, Nate Ginsburg. Like I've you know been saying, the best opportunities and everything in my life have been collaborating and working with great people. Yeah, down to connect and collab. And if there's some opportunities that we can mutually benefit, like would love to explore. If you're interested in any, I mean, I know this isn't much of a e-commerce kind of crowd, but uh, sellerplex.com is the uh, the services that we offer on that side. And really just down to help down to collab open to ideas and uh appreciate uh everyone that's that's listening um reach out say hi thanks for having me on mark
0: yeah thanks for thanks for coming on nate really appreciate your your time today always insightful and interesting to uh to chat to you thanks again and uh see you in a couple of weeks (laughs) yeah nate's coming to my wedding by the way so (laughs) that's all we'll wrap it up for today If you enjoyed this episode, go to whatever podcast player you're listening to. You're listening through, rather. Leave us a review. We really appreciate those. It helps all the podcasting algorithms and helps more people find the Authority Hacker podcast. So go and do that now if you like the show. Gail and I will be back once again next Monday. So we will see you then. Thank you and bye